Hey everyone, welcome to the Kubernetes Unpacked podcast where we talk about literally everything Kubernetes related from cloud to on-prem to Kubernetes for infrastructure engineers and developers and everything in between. My name is Michael Levan and I am joined today with Eric Wright, co-founder and chief content officer of GTM Delta. Eric, what's up, man? How's it going? Hey, thank you for having me on. This is fantastic. This is like a this is my dream as a as a fellow podcaster. The greatest thing you can ever have is to turn the mic on and not have to worry about press and record yourself. You just got to show up and throw up, as they say, and and that's it. Man. <laughs> so, yeah, thank you very much. Uh, glad to be here. Uh, just coming back from San Francisco for VMware Explore, so that'll obviously uh, color our conversation uh, a lot. Uh, but yeah, let's uh, let's jump in. Let's cube it up. Absolutely, man. So today we're going to be talking about a ton of stuff, I'm sure. But one of the big things that we wanted to discuss was thinking about, you know, from an old school perspective of, you know, virtualization. And then now we're kind of moving into this container era, so to speak. And I often think this is a funny conversation because, you know, when you're talking to newer engineers, they're so used to the idea of just like Docker and Kubernetes. But We've had containers for a while. We've had Linux containers, LXC. We've had Linux orchestration for LXD, right? Like we've had all of this stuff for such a long time, uh, arguably, you know, I think over 10 years, right? Like what did it, it was like 2006 or seven or four that Linux containers came out. It was like something like a long, long time ago. So we, we've kind of had this for a while. So like what is kind of your take on, you know, where this is going at the moment? Well, and I mean, and it's funny if we even just go into the Wayback Machine even further to like the OG, like kind of jails. And I mean, technically, it actually goes back to the mainframe. This is actually how LPARS works. The idea of like containerized representation of physical infrastructure, but at a very simple logical layer. So not the true like network isolation like it had with virtualization, which was really the dawn of like where VMs could run because they could have independent networking. LPARs were much more about just slicing compute and memory and effectively giving uh, at the mainframe layer this sort of representative way to control it. And I mean, I think it's even Kelsey said that one time, like Kubernetes is really just an API for compute. You know, we, we do all this other stuff with it, but it's a way which you can you can actually software control and manage those those resources but yeah it's so definitely we've seen a lot of stuff that's that's gone on we saw the you know the dawn of virtualization which led to a big big move and containerization i'd say the the audience was interesting because containerization really leaned into the developer audience much more than virtualization virtualization was us you know old school nerds who were doing data center ops and now we were instead of physically plugging in servers we were deploying vms and then we were getting better at some of the orchestration layer but it was still it was always this like pull forward like a drag forward from physical servers everything that we talk about in the in that ops view is talking about the way we used to do servers right and i got like, I said, this is the theme today ultimately is instead of old man yelling at clouds, now it's old man yelling at containers because we had this developer audience who then did this idea just like Java, 
right once, run anywhere, which actually was right once, run slow anywhere. <laughs> and it, and and make sure that you have one of 3,000 editions of Java and don't run it next to another one. Like that, that myth was broken fast. Containers fell into the same trap of like, oh yeah, it works, works fine here. But yeah, you're running Docker on your laptop. That's actually not the idea. And it was the one of the most challenging things. We've hit this with DevStack in the OpenStack community. So people develop for this pattern of like, oh yeah, I can run it here and then I can just push it to production. You're like, one of production is a network, right? And it has different security boundaries. It has different identity and access management boundaries. So anyway, so I, I, I definitely just quietly answered one question and then, and then threw in the answer to seven questions you didn't ask there. But just that is this thing of this path of where we saw the split of who the effective audience was. And now I'd say this is kind of this like full circle. We're finally back at the same concert where, you know, you go to a, you go to Lollapalooza this year and it's going to be Ice Cube, Perry Farrell, and it's going to be Justin Bieber. Like all of a sudden you're looking around going, I have no idea who these people are. They dress differently than me and they talk differently than me, but we're all here for a common thing, which is music. And like, all right. But to us, music is apps. Yep. And we finally just like, that's it. That's it. Why do we do the stuff we do? It's for the application. Right. Yeah, and I think like you you've obviously brought up uh, about 15 good points there. But, <laughs> <laughs> but what you just said is absolutely true. Like I feel like the landscape of how technology is thought about is changing because, you know, way back when when virtualization started to come out, how many people do you know? I know a ton that were like this is never going to be in production. We're always going to be on bare metal. And That's then we right. were in virtualization, right? And then containers started coming out. It's like, this is never going to be in production. Uh, and now they're in production. So, but one of the things that I often find is like, you know, the, uh, I don't want to offend anybody here, but this is the, the funny. Hold on to your hats, kids. And, <laughs> and, and, and I could kind of fall into this category too. Sometimes, you know, the, the, the old school Linux gray beard, you know, of like, this is just the way things need to be. But like, that was the mentality for a long time. Now, like you said, you know, you got Justin Bieber here and you got ice cube here and it's the same thing. You know, you got the new age person, you got the old age person. And then at that point, you're all kind of coming together because at the end of the day, the goal is not to be the well actually person in the room. It's more to be like, okay, we have an application that we need to deploy or we have five and we need to scale this thing out. And oh, by the way, our busy week is next week and we're going to have a 100 surplus of people that are going to be there. How are we going to handle it? And then it comes down to the question of, well, how are we going to do it? You know, orchestration is such a high level topic. I think that it's like, we've been orchestrating, like this is nothing new, right? Like what Kubernetes does is nothing new. We've been doing this with VMs. We've been doing this in the cloud. We've had self-healing. We've had automation. We've had repeatability. We've had, we've had scalability, but it's more about the like, what platform are you going to use to do the job? And one of the things that has been popping up a little bit for me, and I'm going to be talking about it at DevOps World next month. Uh, and I have this talk around like uh, the future of Kubernetes and my predictions. But I do believe that one of the things that are going to come into play is a mixture of virtualization and containers, but under the same roof. So right now we have KubeVirt, which is, you know, running virtual machines in, in Kubernetes, essentially. Yeah. Uh, we have, well, we, we might be the only people in the world that care about it, but we have Nomad, 
right? Like Nomad is doing <laughs> containers <laughs> and virtual Shout out to the Nomad crew. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I was going to start a Nomad podcast, but the beauty part is I could actually just put it on uh, on on cassettes and send it out to my three friends that run Nomad. No, I'm just kidding. It's uh, <laughs> sorry, if all the hashtags are actually it's run in huge environments in a lot of places. But so that's my that's my joke. I'm the only guy that doesn't have a HashiCorp email address is that talks about nomad at large. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And it's so crazy to me, right? Because what nomad is doing is what all orchestrators should be doing. It right? is fundamentally the best platform as far right. as a representation, a semantic representation of infrastructure with multiple methods of consumption and delivery but with one abstracted layer, the schedule is, oh God, I could talk all day about this, but it's, it's, it is absolutely, sorry, I didn't mean, I cut you off too. And I'm, I'm, it's what happens when you have two podcast hosts there on the same podcast. <laughs> no, 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 totally cool. Everybody's here to listen to you, not me. Uh, but yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. Like what Nomad is doing is what all orchestrators should be doing. And here's the reality too, right? Like, and I think that this is where Kubernetes is going to have to catch up at some point because Kubernetes right now, you can just more or less orchestrate containers. You have tool uh, tools, platforms, whatever you want to call it, like Kubevert, where you can manage virtual machines, but not a lot of people are doing it because it's it's sort of kind of like, you know, hammering a nail with the other side of the hammer right now. But I do think that if Kubernetes wants to be the orchestrator, it's going to have to get to the point where that's a first class citizen, like something like Kubevert is a first class citizen. All right, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna run that thread for a second because this is cool. Uh, so Qbert actually I was actually talking to folks at the Red Hat booth uh, specifically on Qbert. I tried to lean in hard on, you know, can we create? I was working at Turbonomic. We were acquired by IBM, and I was doing a lot of work around general, like especially cross-platform optimization. And Qbert have always been. I'll say I'm long Qbert in the idea, just like when you run a traditional workload in containers even on ecs or even as a single container on cube this idea that it it's an anti-pattern to how the infrastructure is built to operate because you're effectively creating a long-running workload that's going to run in infrastructure that's designed to be ephemeral okay that's fine my t-shirt was designed to be worn but it makes a great rag like so if i have an old t-shirt and I use it then to, you know, wipe my windshield. Does that mean that I'm misusing the t-shirt? No, because I've used it for its purpose and I've got a second purpose for it. If I were to print off $40 t-shirts and use them as rags, that's silly. That's what Kubevert feels like. So if you're purely, if you say like, I'm all in, I'm going to put all my VM workloads on Kubevert. Like, no, no, no. It's there as a sort of last resort, but first class citizen to run long running virtualized traditional, and I, like that's even a weird word, but like I'll say classic true VM workloads. And like, look, truthfully, this is why we saw the name of the VMware conference change. And we're seeing the name of their platforms change. It's, it was from VM World to VMware Explore. They've gone from vRealize to VMware aria right like as far as like the cloud health and the cross cloud services it was always like vmware this vm you know like now they're like let's just pull it in the service instead of v realize they have to sort of rebrand and and rebirth 
because these were functionally right, but early in the delivery and the audience wasn't necessarily ready. And Cubevert and like Red Hat, like, because Cubevert does not replace Red Hat enterprise virtualization. And this is an, uh, one of the biggest misnomers we always bump into is that people think like, oh, I can use Cubevert, I can get rid of Rev. You're like, no, 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 Cubevert is a way in which you can have direct network attachments to other containerized workloads. It just makes it easier to build and orchestrate the network and the security portion because then you're running it in an open shift front end. So it's now, it is open shift is your actual platform. Cubevert just is the way you're doing it. If they could put OpenShift in front of Rev, they would do it. And I don't doubt that that's actually where we'll end up because mm. we've been talking about getting rid of the mainframe for 40 years. And guess what? Mainframes still selling hot. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. And, and why do we need to get rid of it too? That's the other thing. Like this is this is the, the most bizarre thing that we have this idea that we've got to shed one thing to get rid of the other or to like take on another. And it's just, it is not true anymore. Yeah. I So bringing up two things that you said, Number one, you know, thinking about the whole mainframe thing, right? Like this is uh, this is where marketing irks me a little bit and it gets me a little bit irritated sometimes <laughs> is that, you know, it's very confusing to new engineers, to engineers that have not really like been in the trenches. Marketing is kind of telling us right now, oh yeah, just, you know, use this tool and this platform and everything's going to be great and everybody's running on this and it's the new hot thing and yada yada the reality is, is that mainframe still exists and they're running in very large places that you're, you, that you don't expect any bank that you use. I could pretty much guarantee they have mainframes, any bank, every oh, bank, yeah. right? Healthcare, government, all these things are still very much there and very much running. But for new engineers, when they're coming in, they're like, Oh no, like this isn't the way people are doing it. And it's like, no, it's like, you gotta, you gotta peel back the, uh, the marketing and the sales stuff and kind of really dive in and be like, no, yeah, actually like, I, I think it's 10% of organ. I, I was reading the study recently, 10% of organizations are using uh, like 30 plus Kubernetes clusters. <laughs> so the reality is, is that yeah. the adoption and a production standpoint, there are far more virtualization and ESXi environments than there are Kubernetes environments far more in, in, in large organizations, maybe not in startups because startups are going directly to the cloud because it's cheaper and they don't want to host an entire data center from that perspective, uh, from a cost and from a person perspective, they don't want to have to bring on all these people to do it. But in the majority of organizations, you're going to see far more VMs and bare metal than you are containers. And then uh, going to the second thing that you were talking about, you know, the if you if you were if you have a shirt and you use it for a rag, is it still okay? You know, and here's the here's the other reality too. People come in with with the, these containers in mind of, oh, these must be a uh, ephemeral. True, but there's a difference between ephemeral and long running workloads. So if you're running a pod, if you're running multiple pods and you have two replicas, five, ten, whatever replicas, you have uh, horizontal auto scaling, all that stuff. These are long lasting, right? Right. Maybe the pod is going to go down and a new pod is going to come up. But the idea of the application running inside of the container is long lasting. And that's where, you know, you have stateful workloads come into play and all of that. Yeah, this is actually, a, it's an interesting thing that we 
we conflate long running workloads by the fact that they've been up for a long time versus they've been architected to be long running versus ephemeral. And the idea of like, yeah, stateless and state management, you know, just because a, a, a container stays up for 322 days doesn't mean that it's long running. If it's architecturally built as an ephemeral, immutable thing, and it just so happens that it hasn't been ephemeraled, <laughs> we haven't we haven't wiped the slate every once in a while. Like if you have an etch a sketch and you draw a really cool drawing and then you put it on the wall, it doesn't mean it's not an etch a sketch. It just means that you decided to keep the picture for a while. But if you just were to go and shake it, it's an ephemeral artwork. So uh, yeah, that is an interesting thing. We 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 get stuck on that piece too, because old school ops, right? It used to be heroic to have workloads that stayed up as long as possible. People used to talk about the famous stories of like a Novell server that there was some some regional bank where you know they were re redoing the building of the bank and then they they forgot and they said like where's the server and they'd actually like you know, built a room around it and, and closed it in, but they're like, we didn't know for a year. Like now, well, like that's a great, that's a great urban legend type of story, but it was true that we had like, people used to take pictures of their Novell screen. It'd be like, you know, 3,600 days of, of uptime. Yeah. And, and that was, that, that was treated as heroic. Like if we could do right. that, you're like, this is, we are hashtag winning. <laughs> right. And, and not only that, but people were incentivized. Their people's bonuses were based on how long a system was running, how how much uptime there was, et cetera. And that's right. not that's not a good <laughs> that's not a good way to incentivize because the reality is, yes, the application should stay up. Who cares about the system? I don't care if the system goes down every day, as long as the application running on the system fails over to something else and there's no downtime. Right. So, yeah, right. it's, it's very weird. Like the, the the mindset like where we're in right now. Right. Of like, you know, like you said, it used to be, yeah, let's keep these systems up. Now it's let's keep the application up. Who cares about the system? Because the reality should be that you have 10 other systems that act as one. So if the one goes down, who cares? Right. And. Again, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but going to uh, going back to what you were saying about, you know, the whole ephemeral thing. The, I, I think that there's such a common misconception because ephemeral doesn't mean is this thing going down all the time. Ephemeral means is it architected to go down and come back up and be perfectly fine, right? Right. So for example, like, like you said, if you, have a, if you have a stateless app and that thing is running in a pod, multiple pods for two years, and it never goes down for whatever reason. That that's a that's a crazy assumption, right? But I'm just I'm I'm uh, I'm, ex I'm extending this analogy a little bit. It doesn't matter if it's gone down or not. What does matter is if it goes down, can it come back up, and will there be zero downtime? So yeah, there's there's definitely a common misconception there with the whole ephemeral ordeal. I think one of the best things we could look at to represent how the transition of infrastructure ops and the movement from, you know, virtualization, let's see, let's say like virtualization is the sort of the, 
the genesis versus like let's we we can always talk about the stuff that came before it and you know you know sun and mainframe and you know lpars and we can i like to go in the in the in the retro way back machine every once in a while just to remind us that these are concepts that we've had for a long time it's just that we've actually sort of made them regular and, and common now so just saying that virtualization virtualization would be like an uh like a Hemi Cuda, right? It's a it's a 1970s car or a 60s car that you bought it knowing that you would go down to the UAP and you would buy a new carburetor for it and you would rebuild the carburetor and you would do things like you did you you wanted this machine. The machine was the most important thing. In virtualization, you the machine is the most important thing, not the passenger. This was always the interesting thing of the ops view of this was like, I want like the passenger will enjoy the experience of the machine, but they would then get out of the machine and then lift the hood and spend more time looking at that. Right. There was, it was celebrated that you did all of this stuff to like renew and maintain and, you know, you made it shiny and you'd look underneath and you'd see the woodpecker and you'd know that you were running, you know, a special muffler. Like it was, it was all this stuff, you know, cause back for all those people that drive around those crazy Hondas, like if you're driving an S2000 and it's all like, Whoa. well, guess what? We used to thrush mufflers on old seventies cars and you used to get arrested for having them. <laughs> <laughs> so like, that concept was always there. It's just that it's it's a different representation of it now. So now what we've got is people that don't want carburetors. They want fuel injected. They want open shift. They don't want to know what the heck is running underneath it. They just want a higher level abstraction, a different, you know, to them, this is their representation of infrastructure. And as far down as they need to go is what's the URL to which I will deploy this? What's my returning webhook that will tell me, you know, where I can interact with it? They want to deploy code, push code into a GitHub repo, have it blast itself onto a container. And they don't even care about the container. They ultimately, that just doesn't matter to them. They're like, I'm pushing code to production and production to them ends at git push you know it runs tests it runs automated tests it does all this stuff coolio but that that is the bottom that they want to see and then you know all the rest of us are the the ducks under the water like with all this crazy paddling going on and that's the underpinnings of it and we have this neat thing where the application is now really what matters. Like you said, it's, you know, can it go down? Does it go down? But there's this whole beautiful, fantastic ecosystem around it of like, how do we know it's up or down? And that's, and how do we make sure that it talks to the other thing? How do we make sure it's secure with and from the other thing? That, like, that's the new battleground. And I think this is why we're seeing the, the sort of like this multi-cloud hybrid, blah, 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 blah. Like whatever the, we just want to throw a marketing term on it to describe it. I mean, in 2018, if you said multi-cloud on stage at an AWS conference as a vendor, you would have gotten in trouble. Like you actually had to go through and tell them, I'm going to say like, I'm going to talk about multi-cloud in 2018. You were not allowed to say that Oh wow! as a presenting partner vendor. And fair enough, because like you're at, you're presenting at AWS. I, I may get in trouble for saying that, but anyways. Uh, so, but in 2019, <laughs> you know, oh yeah, it's all cool. Why? Because Andy Jassy was going to say twenty was going to say multi cloud on stage because they 
now at VMware Cloud and AWS and they had all these great partnerships. And right. they had sort of said like, okay, we got, we, we admit it. Right. <laughs> there is more than one cloud. You yep, know, they used yep. to even do the joke and say like, oh, that other cloud, right? So Kubernetes was, is truly, if you're going to say multi-cloud, like we, we know what you really mean. You know, we, we, we mean Kubernetes. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> or if you, even there, there's a separate argument of when we say multi-cloud, meaning that you have a bunch of infrastructure that spans multiple clouds, not an application. That, but if you if you want to talk about a single application platform that's multi-cloud, we are talking about Kubernetes. And then even further up, we're actually talking about OpenShift or EKS Anywhere, or we're talking about VMware, you know, Tanzu or, or Tanzu. God, I'm going to... As a Canadian, it's going to blow me up because I still say... Everyone's also, I say pasta and Mazda, but then I, I live in the United States and I have to say Mazda and pasta. <laughs> I still like struggle to even say it. It probably sounds even funnier, but Hey, I still say about funny. Right. <laughs> hey, and it's always funny. Never invite me to a podcast. Cause you'll end up with like, it's like watching the entire season of lost in an hour. You're like, there's going to be 45 things that we start and we may not finish, but there you go. We're, we'll say OpenShift a bunch of times in the middle because I love the Red Hat team. There you go. Yeah, I, you know, funny enough, I'm actually working on a um, bunch of OpenShift stuff this month, actually. Uh, so, yeah, no, I think it's a great product as well. But going back to what you were saying before about the abstraction and people not caring about what's happening underneath the hood. Uh, to me, and I've said this a bunch of times and, I, and I've had so many people be like, no, it's not true, but... This is, this is the reality that I live in, and I do think that it is uh, the truth. Abstraction was not meant to not know what's happening underneath the hood. Abstraction was created because you were doing something a million times manually, and I was like, oh, I, don't, I don't need to do this manually anymore. I understand the process. I understand the troubleshooting process. Let's make this repeatable. Abstraction now is thought of as like, I'm going to care about the least amount of stuff as possible. And I think this is a uncomfortable reality for a lot of folks, especially folks getting into tech today. If you don't know what's happening underneath the hood, regardless of if you're managing it or not, you are going to have an awful time troubleshooting, understanding what's actually going on inside of the application and understanding how to ultimately scale out huge workloads. For example, EKS, right? Any any managed Kubernetes service, the whole idea behind it is the control plane is abstracted from you. You only care about the worker nodes and the application running. But with all of these services, you can turn on logging from the API server. So you can turn on audit logging. Uh, you can turn on API logging. You know how many times I've had to go in and troubleshoot and look at those logs, regardless of if I'm controlling the control manager or not, or the API server, whatever you want to call it, I still have to go into the logs that are running there and see what's happening in my cluster. Point right. being, a lot of people don't think that you have to do that. A lot of people think, oh no, they're managing it. It's fine. It's the same exact um, mistake that everybody made when the cloud first started coming out. Oh, it's in the cloud. It's fine. I don't have to do anything with it. Uh-oh. I actually yeah. have to do something with it. 
And I think that it's the same thing with like managed Kubernetes services. I think that it's the same way thing with overall abstraction. At some point, people are going to start to realize, uh oh, I don't know what's happening because I don't know how to look for it. So I think that like where abstraction is going in today's world is fundamentally flawed. What do you think? This is the perfect, there's a great thread because it's the idea of should we do it the way we've done it or do we still need to do it in the function is there, but we have to use a different approach to get there, right? We've always talked about the idea that what is a container running a full OS inside a container where you then ultimately ultimately open up port 23 and SSH into it, fundamentally bad idea. Like why that's, it's not meant to live that way because if you do that, it ultimately has to have a full IP, you know, address. It's like, it's, you, you want to abstract away certain things and abstraction is a way that we can separate the represent. It's a semantic representation of the next layer. And so for us, when we went into containerization and we want to say like, stop SSHing into containers, cool, right? It doesn't mean that you don't need to do what you were doing with SSH. Now it just means that you're going to run the, run the logs remotely, right? How many times have we had to do that, right? You go into a Kubernetes cluster, you still got to check, like you said, you know, being able to access the shell or access what would be happening if a shell were there. I mean, VMware went through this. They used to have the service console. It was a fully functional operating system that you would interact with locally. And then they said, okay, what if we actually just sort of presented that via an API so that you could then pull it into other applications? The same stuff's there. It's just that you're getting at it a different way. And and that, I think, is the, the thing that, it takes a while to do because it's just old practices and patterns. And if we get rid of those practices and patterns and we go to the very core of what is it we're actually trying to achieve, I need to be able to see that my, why my application is not running. Okay. Well then you just, you don't need a shell in to be able to go into the Etsy log folder. No, what you need is you just need to see the bloody app log or you need to see the syslog. Like, cool. <laughs> well, I got another way you can do that. And as soon as you show them, they're like, oh, this is awesome. You're like, uh, throw away your, your SSH. You don't need it anymore. You're like, oh, coolio. Thank you. That's, that's what they actually wanted. But if you only knew how to do it because you've done it a thousand times another way, that's what we kind of get stuck on. Right, right, right. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you. It's, I, I, I think that people still need to truly understand what's happening in a system. They don't necessarily have to do it a million times, but they do need to understand because at some point with all of the abstraction that's happening, everybody's going to reach a point where it's like, I have no idea what's happening on my server. And that's going to be the, you know, the downfall for probably a lot of teams. Uh, I, I, I would imagine overall, like, I, I guess my whole point is, is like, I feel like engineers don't want to go as deep as we used to want to go. Right. And for us, we're, we're we still have that mindset because we came in like a different era. But now I see a lot where like people don't want to go deep anymore. And, you know, if they can't find the answer on Stack Overflow in 10 minutes, it, it, there must not be a solution. And yeah, that's the problem. The, the, this is a very human experience thing that I'm always curious of. And I, and I've, I've talked, I'm probably, you and I have probably talked about this. And I, I wonder, 
because you're, I mean, you're, you're younger than me. So I'm even the old man yelling at containers, right? I'm the, I'm the guy that's, that's been through, I've lived through a lot of things. And I was, I was trained in around mainframe ops people. And I was that weird kid doing the distributed system stuff. They're like, that's a fad. You know, I'm like, yeah, I've got 1200 windows servers and <laughs> it's, it's not a fad. It's not going away. But this thing of, if you understand the roots that drew you to this point where we've got this new abstraction, I think that's important. Or it's the same reason we learn history. I don't need to actually know why the White House is white, but it's kind of neat when you learn the story. Right. Uh, as a Canadian, I'm mean, proud to be why your White House is white, actually, if you do it to <laughs> history. Most people don't know that. But this thing of if you meet somebody who's been born in the cloud or born in containers, and then they they purposefully just don't like they've never been exposed to this this other stuff the reason why stuff occurs now and it's it's not right or wrong it's just it's challenging as we transition to people that have never seen the underlayer they've never seen that stuff it's it's what happens when someone says they hear a police song and they say wow these guys really ripped off bruno mars and you just like you 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 bite through your lip <laughs> going like I think you've got it upside down, but it's cool because they just don't know, like there's no representation of history and a timeline to them. So that's cool. And in fact, as the police fan, I should be like, that's, that's actually kind of neat that you, you saw the, you actually saw the, the history. You've actually seen this, like why we do it. They're like, cause that is representing like, so an, an API only, a, you know, not having SSH. It's actually pretty cool when someone just doesn't care. And in fact, they're frustrated that they would want to be told that there was a reason why they don't need it. Because they're just like, I don't, I don't care, old man. <laughs> I just, I just try to get my app into production. <laughs> I want to write code. I've got yep. 700 JavaScript frameworks. I got to deploy this afternoon. Sorry, shout out to Brian and and uh, at Begin and all my friends. We always talk about the the, the thousands of JavaScript frameworks, and uh, but uh, that yeah, that that's right. all that they should care about. And, and underneath it, there's a lot of stuff that goes on. And then we're going to see this thing where the you know looking at what the VMware event was about was talking like three years ago or two years ago. Yeah, three years ago they introduced Project Pacific, which was the idea that you could run. A, a Kubernetes API, like Kubernetes inside VMware. So it's basically you've got virtual machines and they could run basically what it is. It's what you would think that virtualization and Kubernetes living together are. It was an abstracted cube running on VMs where you don't interact with the VMs. You just interact with the cube, but it lives beside it. And then it could use the other advantages of virtualization that built in networking. Well, the problem with Project Pacific, of course, was it was limited in the scale that it could grow to. But it wasn't, it was like DevStack. It was, wasn't really meant to be production. They even told you, don't run large scale production workloads on this. So go to, go to Tanzu, go to, you know, run OpenShift on VMs, do whatever it's going to be. So this sort of, the patterns are all playing out. <clears throat> and then the battleground in the market battleground is the ownership of the workload. 
And that's really kind of this thing. So we're hearing now, now the new buzzword is life cycle management. And it's going to be all about life cycle. And then you're, I saw like five vendors that talked about backing up Kubernetes workloads. And there's one that was even like the idea that you could take total data and like workload protection for a Kubernetes cluster and then just suddenly redeploy it into a different region. And like you could you could imagine all these Kubernetes SREs are like biting their nails going, why would you want to do that? This is the dumbest thing ever. <laughs> like we we're coming from a different route mm-hmm. of things. So there's this evolution that's going to occur. And at the same time, if you're coming from this higher level abstraction, you may not realize that a workload you deploy may need this, what seems like an anti-pattern to you is actually a pattern that's existed for a long time. And right. uh, Rob Hirschfeld and I always talk about this idea that eventually, uh, and Rob, shout out to Rackin and, and all the fantastic folks over there, true life cycle management from the hardware to the OS, like everything is fantastic. Mm-hmm. So there you go, Rackin.com. Sorry, they're not a sponsor, but I just I threw that in there a bunch of times because I have to. <laughs> there we go, man. There we go. Um, yeah. This, eventually there is a point where the anti-pattern becomes the pattern. Mm-hmm. If you're doing it wrong, if too many people are doing it wrong, then maybe it's actually not wrong. Right. Right. Yeah. No, it's, that's a good point. And I think that's kind of uh, a lot of the times how we got to where we are, right? How we got to good patterns and how we got to new technologies and new innovation. Because, you know, like you said, the mainframe guys were like, oh, this whole distributed computing thing, this is never going to be a thing. And we live in, in the, everything that we do by definition is distributed computing. Uh, yeah, so you're absolutely right. So I feel like we could be talking for another couple hours. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, so exactly. So, it's always so, <laughs> it's just a matter of how long we've got left. So, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so so I'll definitely have to have you back on because you know what I do want to have a conversation at some point about Tanzu. So it'd be great to have you back on for that. But wrapping up here, Eric, where can everybody find you? Any plugs that you have? Anything that you want to throw in? Please go ahead and do it. Any anything at all. This is where you're going to find out that I've, I do too many things, but let's just start. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to go to the core. I'll say the two things that I love to do. Uh, number one, of course, I'm a, I do lots of content creation and work with a fantastic team. Uh, we are GTM Delta. So go to gtmdelta.com. It's uh, basically technical product marketing uh, services, uh, whether it's, you know, mid-sized startups or enterprise organizations. Uh, we, we, we write fantastic content about, problems that need to be solved and and we help humans we give emotion to technical content that's my tagline i don't know if it's a good tagline or not i gotta get a i gotta hire a marketing person but uh and then aside from that i uh, go i i blog at discoposse.com and i have a podcast discopossepodcast.com and uh yeah thank you very much for having on yeah we could definitely go on there's a lot of stuff there's this idea of what we need to do as humans to learn this stuff is is the the most fun uh yeah so we'll have to set up we'll have a whole series of like we'll dive into each piece but uh, there you go so go to gtmdelta.com i would appreciate it and uh don't forget to uh, smash that uh like button and subscribe button or whatever do all those things to the packet pushers you guys are fantastic awesome well eric thank you so much really appreciate having you on and i'm happy that everybody was able to come on listen today and i hope that you all enjoyed it thank you so much